Do we know what trauma is? Do we even know the weight we're carrying around every day? So what is trauma really? What does it look like in everyday life? How does it manifest? And more importantly, what can we do about it? The space between us clinical psychologists Linda Mutanjani and Gugu Gigaba have been exploring these questions together. But the 2021 July unrest in South Africa unearthed the need to start a bigger conversation about the trauma simmering in our country. And now they're bringing these psychological insights to you. I'm Sabina Biddle, mental health advocate and contributor to the Space Between Us online platform. TSBU is honored to welcome you to our very first podcast, Trauma, the Silent Scream, an enlightened and gentle healing journey brought to you by Africa's leading online mental health platform, The Space Between Us. Find out more at thespacebetweenus.africa. Hi, hey Google. Um, how are you doing today? <laughs> I think I just have a, a lot on my mind. Let's enter the space. I was wondering if maybe we can just breathe ourselves um, into entering the space and just finding our feet in this conversation. Now, I often find that breathing, just using our breaths, is so powerful um, to just get us to be calm and present in the space. I'm going to mm. just start off that way. Is that all right with you? Yes, yes. Let's do it. So I think if we do a, a three count, so I'm going to do three times. We're going to breathe in for five. We're going to breathe out for seven. And mm-hmm. we're just going to relax into this conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's breathe in. One, two, three, four, five. I'm holding it at the top. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I think let's do that again. Just really so that we can relax into these chairs so that we can really into the space. Let's go. One, two, three, four, five. I'm holding it at the top. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Really just settling in. Firmly on the ground. I'm going to do it just for good luck one last time. Oh, yes. <laughs> As we're doing it, I'm like, I really needed this, didn't I? <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, and hold the breath at the top. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Oh. I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm also Good. here. Yeah. yeah, that's excellent. So, so you know, you and I have 
we've been having um, these conversations around trauma, and I'm so glad we're finally able to share it with more people than just you and I. Mm. And I think if one looks at the July unrest in particular, mm. you know, long conversations about how what is what is what looks obvious actually isn't quite as obvious. There's a lot of transgenerational trauma. There's a lot yeah. um, that is happening that is going unsaid. So lots of political and economic conversations in July, but very little on why it took so little to inflame an entire nation. Mm. Um, And you and I, yeah, you and I started talking about uh, what that means from a transgenerational trauma perspective. And now we are starting this podcast. Uh, That was such a a strange time in, in our country's lives. And yet it wasn't so strange. And I think, I think, you know, exactly what I mean by this. And I think it's one of the reasons why we, we kindly jointly agreed when we were reflecting that this is just deeply troubling. And that essentially the, the, the fact that we were experiencing that particular moment in 2021, seemingly, you know, out of nowhere, and yet when we reflect, we can see it's just not out of nowhere at all. It was so deeply troubling. And I remember when we were, we were talking to each other, I was saying, you know what, as I was watching some of the imagery, and, and because I'm based in Durban, some of the watching of the imagery was, was mm. you know, live from seeing, you know, buildings being destroyed, from seeing the actual impact of, of, the, of the violence um, on the streets. And I remember, like, telling you, I feel like I've just been thrown into, or, or rather, like, these really, like, these images of the riots in the 80s were immediately just returned to, to, my, to my mind. And I know that at that time started to also kind of start to feel emotionally and physiologically uncomfortable because I started mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, those memories were here again. And, you know, I'm, I'm a much more, I'm much older than I was during the, the riots of the 80s. But I think just that just observing that level of frustration, that level of, allow me to call it anarchy mm. at that time. And it, it led me to feel really, really sad. I remember that one of the feelings that I felt quite strongly was a great deal of sadness and a great mm. deal of helplessness. But also, I, I was my body was in pain. I, I literally remember walking around with like back pain or lower back pain. And, and I remember that that was the thing that I just became so um, significantly connected with, the physiological mm-hmm. pain uh, that was associated yeah. with, with feeling quite, you know, helpless, you know. Mm. And imagine now, Kuku, you at least can put some words to what was going on. Many people in our countries, because even if you weren't in KZN, hearing it yeah. on the news, hearing the hate speech, um, yeah. feeling this overriding sense of anxiety as yeah. you walked outside, even here in Joburg, and just, you know, the, the, the air feeling like something is about to explode, that, yeah. that whole scene, reminiscence of the 80s and certainly mid-70s, 
Yeah. When I think about all of that, I, I realize just how much more necessary right now this conversation yeah. is. Yeah, the conversation that says, what will it take for us to truly heal the trauma of the past? So mm. both at a, at a macro level, kind of politically, um, mm. what, what needs to be said? What needs to be done? What, what is the cleansing that needs to be done um, mm. in families? Uh, where you had um, parents uh, leave, migrant labor, single mothers, uh, all the things that children didn't get from their parents that now are showing up as relational trauma in their marriages. Individual, you talk about the physiological feeling of a back pain, etc. I mean, just mm. th th these are some of the things we want to unpack when we talk yeah. about trauma at the different levels mm, yeah so i agree and and you know what i i think i'm, I'm reflecting on as you're speaking is is um, how you indicate that at least i had some of the words to try and at least explain the feelings that i was feeling but i think even for people that might not have access or rather have the the, the words such as anxiety or helplessness that they use routinely to describe experiences related to trauma. I think mm -hmm. what, what is felt uh, quite significantly is the fear, just mm -hmm. being afraid. Mm -hmm. And I yes. think for South Africans, the, the fear is, I, I would like to call it a companion, except I know that, you know, even with, with companions, there are welcome companions and, and companions that you don't necessarily want to walk with. But it, mm. it's ever present. It's it's so pervasive. Fear, and the way that that is experienced is so different to all of us. And again, this is is related to you know how we become introduced to to being becoming so fearful as South Africans, and our traumatic history, as as you're also um, alluding to. And mm. I, if I'm reflecting on just the events of the um, in July, particularly. That was so pervasive, the fear, and, and it informed some of those um, responses that people had, some which we know were, were racially, you know, um, unpleasant or, or racially quite violent, some which resulted in, in more violent, actually, physical aggression and so many lives that were lost. But what was so, so pervasive and was shared, and I think that's why this is so important to have this conversation, because as South Africans, there's almost like a shared trauma that we don't um, realize is something that could actually unite us, because we, we've all been affected in so many different ways by events which happened to us at the same time, but in very different ways. And so when we, when we have our fear responses, they look different, but the emotion that we are all walking around with for for most of the time, sometimes we're not even aware just how you know frightened we are um, until something happens and we get this intense response to it. Is it's fear? Um, it is. Yeah, Google. It is fear, and and this is yeah. exactly why we have this podcast because where we want to start is just yeah. understanding what trauma is. I mean, and, and yeah. that's what we're going to spend quite a bit of time just talking about what trauma is, how it manifests itself, how you would see it in everyday life. Um, and, yeah. and maybe 
one is thinking about a, a base a definition, just thinking mm. about anything that you have experienced that has overwhelmed you, that you mm-hmm. felt no control over. So, so we're going to spend quite a bit of time in the coming series just talking about what trauma is at at, a, at the simplest of levels. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. For me, it's always interesting when we, we talk about these things and you and I, you know, we are lucky because we are, we are psychologists and maybe we have access to all this language. And I always like to think of, well, you know, but when did I become aware of this word trauma as something that is reflective of an experience that I've lived? And, and being from an Isisulu speaking background, it's like, well, what, what was the Isisulu meaning equivalent that is related to this word trauma? Is it something that was even ever spoken about in my space such that... Um, I'm aware that, you know, once if someone experiences something that is so overwhelming and so terrifying, they can experience that which is called trauma. And I suppose the, the reason why I reflect more on this word, which is fear, which we, as we will unpack, is just one component of trauma. It's because that might be a, a word that I would have grown up hearing in response to something that is overwhelming and terrifying. I don't think there was an opportunity to reflect that, you know, beyond the fear, something remains. And the Mm. thing that remains is the trauma. And that trauma is what keeps on perpetuating, you know, such harmful responses, whether it's at, you know, at your individual level or even broadly within the family and even broadly within the society that we live in. So it's it's kind of it's become quite fascinating in the last couple of months to have conversations with South Africans to realize that it's not necessarily a Nisizulu speaking person challenge, but it's it's a challenge across you know people of varying cultures that even have access to the English language that that it's not necessarily been something that has been openly discussed uh, within our spaces. Hmm. I heard a beautiful story, and I, I think it's worth sharing, that, that probably helps um, define trauma, because yeah. going forward, we're going to be talking about trauma, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about where it comes from, we're going to be talking about what it looks like, we're going to be talking yeah. about what we can do about it. But I just thought that the story was beautiful, and I would like to tell it. Um, mm. it, it goes that, in fact, it's one of my favorite uh, uh, psychologists who tells the story, Tara Bach. It goes that this little girl, seven years old, living with her parents, alcoholic father, um, he would come home drunk, and he would hit the mother, hit the child, and this would happen quite frequently. So, so this one time, she anticipated his coming to hit her. She hid and she prayed for something to happen. And she prayed to her angels and an angel came and said to her, okay, I can take this away from you. Uh, Because she was praying, please stop, let the stop, please take it away from me. And the angel said, okay, I'll take it away from you. I will make sure that you don't remember any of this. And instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it in your body. I'm going to put it 
everywhere in your body just to distribute it so that it's not in your brain, you don't remember it. But where you will remember it is every time you smell something, it will come to you. But at least it doesn't feel as painful. Every time you, um, you, know, you, you meet a certain type of person, every time you feel a certain way, this thing will come back to you. Because trauma is that overwhelming experience stored in our entire body. Mm. And when we come across something that is similar, that we can't quite put our finger on, as in, I don't know when this actually happened, Mm. your body reminds you, because your body Mm. doesn't forget. Your body reminds you, you've been here before, where it's been painful, because your body's kind of closed it up, put it, you know, shelved it, but not dealt with. So what we're hoping with this podcast is that we'll be able to start pulling out some of these things from these shelves that people can start looking at and understanding their reactions, uh, their responses, um, their feelings about certain things. So I I really look forward to to being able to do that. Yeah. And and you know what's actually quite um, amazing is that as you are telling that story, I'm becoming increasingly aware of the fact that my, my heart rate has increased Mm. And I'm, I'm feeling, you know, having the experience of having palpitations. And I think what's so powerful about that particular story is that I don't think that there's any person who's experienced a trauma, a trauma in their lives that, that can't relate to just how tangible it feels in their bodies. That it, it's, so, it's so real. And I suppose this, this is part of of what has been driving us really, because we've been wanting to do this for a really long time, to say, how do we get people to move from sitting with this really uncomfortable heartbeat that can be triggered by even events that they can't remember or they don't know about, but they Mm -hmm. find themselves sitting there having this experience of such intense discomfort that is experienced through the body but is linked to something that is so psychologically disturbing but they don't have access to it and i suppose this is this is probably why we've wanted to reflect on trauma in the way that we've decided to reflect on trauma because one of the things that in the story that you're telling is quite amazing because essentially what it's also speaking to is that you know anyone who would encounter that little girl might not necessarily know just by looking at her that mm. that's her everyday lived reality huh. and that she's walking around with, with such fear and such pain and such um, experiences of horror in her daily life, that's, such that she needs to call on power of, you know, the, the, the magic to help mm. her to, to cope with the current reality. And I remember that there was one podcast that I also came across, which was being run by, it was a TED talk, actually. It was a TED talk and it was delivered by neuroscientists and, and they're based in the US. And as a way of opening her speech, she, she asked the people in the audience to just look around and just see the person next to them and see if there was anything on that person that would make the, the observer know that this person had undergone a traumatic event. Mm. And without, you know, really exposing or putting anyone on the spot, it, it really became apparent to the audience that you can't always at face value tell that someone has experienced a trauma. 
And yet you might have someone sitting next to you that is walking around with this, you know, this wound, this this hidden wound that they are experiencing in so many other ways in, in that sensory space. So in our bodies and it's, and it's always with us in our thoughts. And I think what this doctor was speaking about is Dr. Seahorn, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. And she did yeah. this amazing TED talk where she was really talking about the impact of trauma in our emotions, on our bodies, and, and even our brains. And she, in, she indicated that essentially it almost feels like trauma is the experience of walking around with a wound that is hidden, that this wound is something that can't really be seen. And quite often it's not something that is spoken about. And she really introduced this phrase, which I quite liked. And and this is the phrase that we are wanting to work with of thinking of trauma as a silent scream. Oh, I love that. And and it's due to the fact that often at a a face value, it's not always possible to tell that someone is is suffering in this way. And I find it such an impactful image, right? It's it's such Mm. an impactful image in the sense that the, the, the moment you say the word scream, you expect sound, right? So you, ex- mm. you expect, you know, something that's going to make someone aware that, listen, something painful is happening there. But introducing this, this idea of the scream being silent kind of speaks to this significant despair, this significant experience of, of walking around in despair, but not being able to express it or externalize it in ways that actually relieve you of these other symptoms that you might be walking around because it's in your body or in other ways, right? Let's 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 just double click on that. So yeah. we're going to be calling our podcast "Trauma: The Silent Scream," and I mean, yeah. we know that there are generations that have known this to be used in other contexts. But for us, I think what's very important is if I again, if I just go back to July, and mm. I look at the physical damage that we saw to buildings, mm. um, that was. A silent scream. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was trauma. If you look at the ages of those young people, if you look at a history of, and you ask yourself the question, who loved you? How were you parented? What happened to you? The, the chances are high that we're dealing with a large group of traumatized young people. But what we do see is, is the distraction at the end which again is, is somewhat of a of a silent scream. So we're going to be spending quite a bit of time unpacking what is the impact that we see, which actually more often than not has been born many, many years, um, is lived in the body, in the cells. And I think for, for a lot of South Africans, we want to be able to help start the conversation, start the healing journey. And that's mm-hmm. why the podcast is about, firstly, um, allowing the spaces for us to scream. Yeah. The, the way you and I were talking about it, Kuku, is that it's important for us to be able to, first and foremost, just normalize it. Mm-hmm. 
So we're going to have a, a neuropsychologist talking to us about the brain and mm-hmm. how the brain heals itself in the way that uh, trauma works. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that first podcast. Absolutely. Because that's that's one of the things that, again, I'll, I'll always refer back to my own experience of just um, how much being introduced to the word trauma is a real phenomenon through my, my training. It really helped me to make sense of so much that I had never really understood. Because it literally feels like some of these traumatic events stick on you, right? So they just stick on yeah. you. But mm. there, there isn't anything that you feel that essentially you you can do about it because you're, you're not even, sometimes you can't make the connections. You don't connect the dots. Um, you know, what this heaviness is that you might be feeling uh, and how it connects. And I think it's so important what we're trying to achieve here because it's kind of like, and again, if we're reflecting on the events of, of July, where we might have people that were either involved uh, directly through engaging in the behaviors and and also people that were um, involved by observing that those those events were traumatizing for for all parties involved, right? And, And essentially, I feel like even having this platform and even beginning on that particular event as a starting point is significant because we now know and we can correctly, you know, hypothesize that that there are people that are still walking around with symptoms of trauma just based on that particular event. Because when when we are looking or reflecting on some of these um these these actions, these, these actions that are reflective of this wound that isn't spoken about, but they are so loud in terms of their impact. We always also reflect on, you know, but the people that were involved or engaging in this behavior, so they're not necessarily bad people. So mm-hmm. what is it that can help us to understand what was the what were the underlying emotions that could lead people to engaging to such behaviors? Um, what is this desperation that people are actually walking around with? Um, and, and how are they processing this, de- this, this desperation? Where is it coming from? Where is this, mm-hmm. this huge sense of feeling so disenfranchised that you literally risk it all? There was one narrative which was shown on, on the news during that week. It's a narrative that I will never really forget because it... It literally just, um, even now as we're speaking about it, I can feel a, a big knot happening in my stomach where there was a, a family that was involved in the looting and they live in an informal settlement and they ended up having so much raw meat that they obtained through the looting. But because they didn't have the facilities to keep them, the meat started to go off. But this family did not want to let go of this meat because for for them that particular looting represented finally having something that they have not been able to have for such a long time and the, the letting go of it in spite of the fact that it could not be harmful it almost felt like it would be leading them back to that despair so there, there was some kind of psychological gain from, you know, engaging in those activities, even though to the observer, the distant observer, it can only be seen maybe as barbaric in some ways. And I think that's when 
we, we felt this is really important because in order for us to have compassion for some of these events, mm-hmm. we need mm-hmm. to understand how collectively we are all, we're all connected in this dance. And mm-hmm. in the South African context, again, one can't run away from the various historical events that took place that really shook us and they disgruntled Mm -hmm. us as a people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, again, our neuroscientists, and I hope that they they really, uh, they help us to unpack this even further, is just how the experience of trauma, it reconstructs you. It changes Mm -hmm. your brain. It changes your physiology. And I remember having this conversation with a friend over a glass of wine as, you know, people become quite, <laughs> quite intelligent over glasses of wine, but they were literally thrown off their chairs that, you know, what do you mean it changes you? I'll quote one of the, the images that, that the, the doctor used when she was talking about Hamti Damti and how he fell on Dr. Sihon, how Hamti Damti fell on the, off the wall. And then, I mean, all the king's horses and all the king's men tried to put him together again. And one could just think, you know, even if someone manages to put Hamti Damti together again, he's not quite the same, right? So there's these fundamental changes that happen in us as a result of having experienced a traumatic event. Those particular changes, when we provide education, particularly about how trauma affects us in the body, can help people to get this sense of, oh, so this is what has happened to me, or this is maybe what happened to my father, this is what happened to my mother. And through that recognition, people can be able to become more compassionate with each Mm. other and maybe even a little bit more patient with each other. Absolutely, absolutely good. want to do um, is be able to move from talking from a a really macro level to talking about personal relationships and relational trauma to talking about the self. And I think what's important is we'd like people to walk away with the sense of, okay, so I know what this is. So as a level of, of awareness around the trauma, I have a sense of where it comes from. I know what it looks like every day, and I certainly have a sense of what I can do about it. So that's really what we're trying to do here. And we recognize that it's a big word. It's a huge conversation, and we're going to peel it layer by layer. And we're going to start very specifically by locating it where it should be located, as you and I have just said, Google. We're going to locate it within the brain which is exactly where we should start. Mm. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that first episode yeah. where we, we have somebody talk to us about what does trauma look like in the brain? How, mm-hmm. What does it mean when Humpty Dumpty can't be put together exactly? What are those neurotransmitters doing? Uh, what mm-hmm. is going on? I'm looking forward to that as well because I think what it does then is that it, it, it even creates... The, the links for people to understand where all of these strange pains come from 
So if I'm now thinking about my experience in response to the the July lootings and how they threw me back to being a seven-year-old little girl terrified, you know, in the township, how then, you know, knowing that my body was being activated to protect myself, and, and maybe this is why also I have this response still whenever I feel threatened, that it's, it's kind of that, that body communicating and saying, really, there is something that remains unresolved here. And, and, mm. as, and as long as it's unresolved and I don't understand what it is, then I'll keep on having these responses, even when I'm not under threat as I think that I am. And we really are hoping that, and you and I, obviously, we have great deal of faith in talking as a cure because we understand that through talking, so much of things that are scrambled, maybe in our own heads, can be made unscrambled. And then you can start to piece together a different narrative that helps you to move from a space of being chained to historical events, some which you can't even remember, but that keep you constantly chained, for lack of a better word. So maybe mm. even if, if we can go back to our framing imagery here, mm. we're wanting to move or collectively have these conversations that help us to not maintain the silence. We, mm. We're wanting to have these conversations that say, you know, let's talk about this even if it hurts. And that maybe part of the, the healing journey is about, you know, touching on those sore spots in our bodies. But even though we feel the pain at that time, once we release, we can start to feel, you know, the energy flow and we can start to feel a little bit more at ease. Um, and that it's, you know, through these platforms where we can do this together, actually. Mm. Well, I mean, you know what Terry Real says, right? Uh, description is prescription. Yeah. And... I really think that the ability to understand what is going on for you starts making it, first of all, you realize you're not the only one. Uh, So the ability for us to just normalize those headaches, those backaches, that hysterical way of responding to something that actually seems very small. So the ability Mm. for us to help people just understand that, therefore describe it, Awareness is the first level of prescription that we know as talk therapists. And this is where, for us, the space between us is so important. Joining the space with others who, too, have either been through a similar and know others who are going through this means that we find healing in the connections that we build. And that's our deep hope, that we will find healing in the connections that we build across the continent. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. What I think I'm also looking forward to, Linda, and, and this is also something that we generally, you know, have, have chats about is is how some sometimes um the, the conversations become kind of disturbed by us being preoccupied with the fact that we don't necessarily have the words in our language, right? Mm-hmm. So so I'm looking forward with to grappling with those concepts and trying to figure out, you know, what could this be potentially this is um mm-hmm. sometimes when we explore our languages, we start to realize that some of the phenomena that we thought they were not explained, they were maybe metaphors or, or you know, euphemisms or 
you know, dancers, who knows, that were used mm. to kind of speak to to these these experiences. And I think we are just wanting to create a very intentional space of saying, let's discover, let's discover this. Um, let's discover this together. Let's create this space that is for us where really we, we are approaching this topic of trauma with a very focused curiosity um, in terms of, you know, if, if we were to start talking about it, if we were, start, were, were to make even an attempt to, to start, you know, screaming, you know, just a little bit in a, in a manner that someone could hear me, what would be the words that I would want to use? And then let's see how they feel. And also intentionally trying to see, okay, so when I do use that word, what else do I feel and where? Mm-hmm. Is it conjuring certain thoughts? Is it conjuring certain feelings in my body? What is happening to me as we speak? This is quite important as we invite our listeners, because it, it almost feels like this is just really a, a, a huge invitation to say, you know, come walk with us and come, ch- come chat with us here. We also want to make them clearly to become very aware that these conversations might be disruptive in, in, in ways that you are not expecting. And, mm. and so you, you will feel something. And when you do feel something, we want for you to allow yourself to sit with whatever it is that you're feeling. Let's try and, and, and see what it, what's the gift in that. Um, mm. and how it helps us to progress in our journey towards understanding this trauma that we experience individually and collectively absolutely. and how we can then make different meanings from it. No, absolutely. Gee, you, you know, the, the invitation that you, you're sending to, to all South Africans and indeed Africans across the continent is this open curiosity to put our finger where it hurts the most because that's where the healing mm. starts. We've come to the end um, of mm-hmm. time flies um, of our time together. And I was just wondering, Google, I think it's important to separate spaces and to close it um, in a way yeah. that is befitting of a conversation yeah. like this. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you're feeling now, Linda. And <laughs> I mean, it, it's great to be able to do a podcast with you, but you, you are on the other side of the internet, right? <laughs> And so I kind of have to, yeah, I have to kind of start to to imagine what you're like in in your space. So, I mean, I'm going to invite you to, to just, you know, connect with your body. I think today we've, we've indicated that, and you led us with that beautiful story about, you know, how that angel, in, in, you know, gave this, this this young lady the option of allocate this in your body. I'm not sure where this conversation has landed on you. But one of the things that I was able to share with you is it's some points during the conversation, I could feel my heart rate go up and I, I started to have palpitations. So I'm going to put my hands on my chest mm. and I'm going to do a connect. bit of nurturing. Mm. Yeah, mm. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put yes. these my hands on my chest, and I'm yeah. gonna invite you also where you are, Linda, so that it feels like we're in the same space right now to just kind of connect mm. with your body and listen to your body in terms of you know where did this conversation land for you? 
even if you're not feeling anything physiologically, um, I would just like for you to choose what aspect of this conversation you would like to just reflect on as we close off. What I'm doing is I'm focusing on my heart rate is I am gradually allowing myself to feel this palpitation and be really grateful that this conversation has moved me in the way that it has. And I'm taking this experience of having you know, heart palpitations as a great reminder that I'm a, a thinking and a feeling person mm. and that that is a beautiful thing. I'm also taking the experience of having these palpitations as something that will remind me of how we began this conversation, how we began this journey today. And so it's kind of like giving me a different path, right? So that even if one day something terrifying does happen and I have palpitations again, but I can now also associate my palpitations with this beautiful conversation that we had. Mm. And so I also invite um, any of our listeners that hear this conversation for the first time and they start to feel a change in their body to just you know, put your hands wherever it is that you feel something and just imagine yourself sending yourself all the love in the world to that particular spot. And just listen to what your body is doing until there's a sense of calm. Maybe to end, just like how we began, we can also just do a couple of deep breaths together. We're going to do it to the count of five. We can begin together and breathe in. Two, three, four, five. And just hold it. Two, three, and breathe out. Two, three, four, five. We're gonna do that again. And breathe in. Two, three, four, five. And let's hold it. And breathe out. Two, three, four, five. One last time. And then two, three, four, five. And let's hold it. Two. And breathe out. Two, three, four, five. Mm. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Gugu. Wow. 
I hope you're feeling some kind of release and calm because I know I am. You've been listening to clinical psychologists Linda Mtinjani and Gugu Kigaba. It's just the beginning of a very important conversation about transgenerational trauma. If you want to find out more about mental health and how to make it a part of everyday conversation in your life, follow us on social media and visit our website at thespacebetweenus.africa for tools, skills, and workshops. In our next podcast, a top neuropsychologist will join us. They'll be talking about the experience of trauma, how it actually reconstructs us, and how the brain heals itself. This was Trauma, the Silent Screen, brought to you by Africa's online mental health platform, The Space Between Us. Find out more at thespacebetweenus.africa. Thank you.